right out of the shoot, I started learning about what entrepreneurship meant. I found something that somebody liked and I sold it to them. I was not expected to live. In 1986, I almost lost my legs. They were going to cut off my legs. I walked out of the hospital AMA against medical advice. I did not know what I was going to do. I was on a cane. I could walk about 10 feet holding the wall and the cane. And he said, simply get up and walk. I said, what do you mean? It hurts. He says, yes, I know. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. It was the mindset. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. We can apply that mindset to anything. I help people take those skills that they already have and take a quantum leap in their business by getting out and speaking. All of these little things that came, came together helped me today to be able to help more people get their voice out to the world. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. <laughs> Today's guest is a legendary thought leader, and he's the brother of a legendary thought leader, the late, great Bill Harris. This man is the author of the number one best-selling book, Falling Down, Getting Up. He's a dynamic business coach, lifelong entrepreneur, yoga teacher, and co-founder of Endless Stages, a company dedicated to help motivated authors, speakers, and experts get their voice, message, and story out to the world. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Michael Harris. Welcome to the show, Michael. <laughs> Wow, what, what what an introduction. You know, I, I want to turn that around on you, Nikki. I mean, you are the one and only legendary Nikki, you know. I mean, how can you miss that, you know? God bless you, brother. God bless you. <laughs> so, Michael, here on the Thought Leader Revolution podcast, we serve the entrepreneur. To me, the entrepreneur is society's greatest hero. He's the man who goes out there with the courage to go after his dreams. She's the woman who endures the naysayers and the doubters and yet perseveres. These are the men and women that make our society what it is. And they come and listen to this show, not because they want to hear from me, because they hear from me every week, but because they want to learn from you. They want to learn how they can live life as the best version of themselves and continue to succeed in the free enterprise system. But before they can do that, they got to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Michael Harris? When I was a kid, six years old, I became known as the Blackberry Entrepreneur. Now, my dad used to always say, he says, find something 
somebody wants and sell it to him. He was an entrepreneur, had multiple businesses, largest oil distributor in the state of Oregon, 100 gas stations, all sorts of things that, that he was involved in. So, you know, really coming out of the womb, we learned about entrepreneurship. So here I am, six years old. All the neighbor kids wanted to come over and have the blackberry pies from Mrs. Harris because she made the best blackberry pies in the neighborhood. Well, part of the reason is we had a huge field filled with blackberries and they were the best blackberries around. So I went to mom one day and I said, looks like everybody wants to, you know, eat your pie. Why don't we sell it to them? And she said, you pick them, I'll bake them. You get 50 cents, I get 50 cents, we'll sell them for a buck. So I started going around the neighborhood and I, Nikki, I think that the Girl Scouts stole this line from me. How many boxes do you want to buy? Go around the neighborhood, my friend's moms, and say, how many pies do you want to buy? Or if it was a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, I would say, you need extra pies for Thanksgiving. So right, right out of the shoot, I started learning about what entrepreneurship meant. You know, I found something that somebody liked and I sold it to them. I love it, man. That's powerful. What a great story. The Blackberry <laughs> Pie guy at six. Yeah. Found something yeah. somebody wanted and sold it to them. Sold to them. So where well, does the story now, go from there? Well, you know, on page, if I remember right, it's page 25 in the Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. And there's a story in there from 1927 of Henry Ford, you know, selling his Model T's, you know, and what did he do? He got pre-orders. He didn't build it before he made it. You talked about this with Alex on, on I believe it was on the, on the podcast with Alex and Filippo, where you talked about not making something until you've sold it. Well, he sold something like 375,000 cars and got pre-orders for something like $225 million before he built the car. So we've, you know, this idea of pre, you know, getting orders has been around for a long time. You know, some people think they have to build it. Imagine if he had gone out and built thousands of these cars and nobody wanted them, right? He got the pre-orders on them. Again, page 25, law of success. It's already being taught to us, right? So as, as I grew up, I thought that I was going to work for my dad. And I did for a while. And after high school, one of the gas stations that, that he had, which wasn't too far from our house, became available. And so I leased it from him. And then I leased an, another one from him after that. So I started learning this idea of the gas and oil business. You know, gas at that time was, I think it was 29 cents a gallon, if I remember. It's a little bit different now, right? It's not a good business unless you're a major um, major oil company, but some of the local dealerships, not so much. But I became kind of wild, Nikki. I was kind of a wild kid. 1971, I was junior champ at Portland Golf Club. 
I was a hotshot golfer, you know, 1971. That same summer, shortly after winning the club championship, I was in a water skiing accident. I was also a hotshot water skier. And I was going around the lake and I like to do beach landings, you know, where you just kind of glide into the beach after letting go of the rope. Except in this case, Nikki, <clears throat> I flew into the beach, let go of the rope too late and smacked the beach. And I ended up having 60% of my liver removed, 21 blood transfusions, gallbladder removed, cracked ribs, collapsed lung and slid into a coma. And, you know, I, I was not expected to live. And as I, as I came out of the coma, what was the first thing I asked about? My bike. Because I, want, I wanted my bike. I'm a 12-year-old kid. We had dropped off the bike at, the, at um, Kistler's, which was a local bike shop, to have it repaired before we went water skiing. And I knew that bike was sitting there and they would sell it because it, there was a sign there that says after 30 days, we'll sell your bike if you don't pick it up. Well, I was pretty optimistic, you know, so I wanted my bike. You know, it's just it just seemed like the thing to do as a kid. Right. But I slid into a lot of really low self-esteem. I struggled. I had scars all over my body from my surgeries. And I didn't think the girls would like me. I went from being the captain of the teams to not even being picked because I couldn't do it. So I just like I plummeted and it really affected me. And I eventually started diving into some drinking and some pot smoking and all those things. And it made me feel all powerful, right? Those feelings of being worthless got covered up. Well, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. And that this is really important. I'm going to fast forward to current day. Because one of my goals that I have this year is to climb as many buttes as I can. Now, I live in an area where in Central Oregon where there's a lot of buttes, where there's a lot of volcanic buttes, remote buttes, no trails. You know, we, we like to say that trails are for tourists. You know, so I'm an I love it. Trails are dirt. So we find our own path. We make our own path. So I go up, up and down these buttes all the time, you know, and I get up to the top and, you know, it's a quick one day kind of jaunt. And, you know, I've gotten to the top of the mountain just because I've made up my mind to do it. Well, why is that important? Well, in 1986, I almost lost my legs. They were going to cut off my legs. My right leg was 100% blocked. My left leg was 65% blocked. And I could barely walk. And as I went through that process, I, I had a couple of surgeries on my legs. I had blood clots. A few months later, they wanted to do more surgery. This was in 87. And I walked out of the hospital AMA against medical advice. I did not know what I was going to do. I didn't really know much about anything. Uh, you mentioned my, my late brother, Bill, you know, I knew that he was kind of into a few things and he had taught me a thinking grow rich course that he was teaching. And he was involved with Dale Carnegie and some things and was just really starting. It was pre center point at that point, which was the Holosync meditation. Um, 
But I didn't really know anything about anything. I didn't know where I was going to go. And the doctors at OHSU told me when it hurt, stop walking. Well, I, I ended up in a rehabilitation center, Southern California, a place called Pritikin Longevity Center. And when I saw the doctor there, I was on a cane. I could walk about 10 feet holding the wall and the cane. And he said, simply get up and walk. I said, what do you mean it hurts? He says, yes, I know. But by getting up and walk, you are building new blood vessels because your body's telling you, your legs are telling you you're not getting enough blood. So the brain sends signals back down to build new blood vessels. So I went out on the boardwalk, Santa Monica, basically between the Santa Monica Pier and Venice Beach, Marina del Rey, and I started going up and down that boardwalk. Now, I was motivated, Nikki. There was a lot of girls on rollerblades. And yeah, I was not going to look like the 97-pound weekly. So within two weeks, I went from walking 10 feet with a cane to walking two miles unassisted. That's yeah. how fast it happens. And this is why I, I mentioned the idea about the buttes and doing the buttes because of the gratitude, the effect, that change of state that happened at that time allowed me to live, to be able to do what I'm doing today. Now, when I had my water skiing accident as a kid, the spirits, because I talked to the spirits, I had a near-death experience, they said I wasn't through yet. Well, Nikki, I guess I'm not through yet. You know, that was 30-some years ago with the legs and 50-some years ago with my water skiing accident, right? And I got this guy that stands over my shoulder. I call him Fred. And Fred says, I'm not through yet, right? Wow. Those are amazing stories, man. I think that this is something, and it's really important, I believe, for entrepreneurship, the whole idea of law of attraction, I like to call law of attraction everyday law of attraction because some people are intimidated by this idea of LOA and they have to go do all this spiritual stuff and um, do all these different things to, you know, really figure out what this law of attraction thing is. Yet we do it all day long. So it's just learning how to apply what we're already doing in different areas. And I'll give an example for the listeners. One of the things that, that I, I like to eat is a tofu veggie rice bowl. Well, right now, probably in your mind, you've got this picture of this tofu veggie rice bowl. I know that, that I got a picture. And for me to attract this tofu veggie rice bowl, especially if I don't have anything in my house to make it, I have to think in my mind, what do I need? So I take action by driving to the grocery store and I pick up my tofu, I pick up my broccoli, I get my soy sauce, I get my rice, I get my yum sauce, whatever the combination is. I go through the checkout, I insert either cash or my debit card, exchange of karma, exchange of energy. I walk out with my ingredients, I go back home, I take further action to assemble those ingredients and then right there on my plate or in a bowl, these little bowls that I have, is my tofu veggie rice bowl. Well, 
I just manifested a visualization that I had in my mind that I wanted to create. Again, why is this important for entrepreneurship or business owners? If we want to create a million-dollar business, if we want to go out and sell a bunch of books, we'll, we'll, we'll use books for an example. What are the action steps that I need? I may have in my mind, right, that I want to create this book, Falling Down, Getting Up, and then I sit down and write out what I need to do to write that book. I need to sit down. I need to write these chapters. This is when I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. And before you know it, you've got a book published, right? Yep. So it's really that simple. I mean, you can apply it to veggie rice bowls. You can apply it to, I want to drive to the mountains. <clears throat> I live at 3,700 feet, but let's say I want to drive up to the summit. And I only got a quarter of a tank of gas. I'm visually in my mind that I need more gas. I stop at the gas station. I take the action. I fill up the gas and I, I go up to the mountain. And I've, I've now created what I want, that idea of being up in the mountain. Now, um, John Asraf, when he was involved in, in The Secret, you know, a lot of people throw rocks at the secret. Oh, you just can't like make up stuff and sit there on your couch and expect it to happen. Well, that's true. But John came up with what you may have heard, and I'm not sure about the guest, but what he calls the law of Goya. The law of Goya is get off your ass. So you actually got to get up. Foods. Not yeah. full of foods, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you actually got to take action to make it happen. Yeah, you know what? It's very true. My mentor talks a lot about the importance of Goya, although he doesn't call it that. And he, he really said, look, the secret was great and all, but without action, nothing happens. But I will yeah, say yeah. this. Um, when I act, when I am in action, it appears that the universe also acts. So it's not just a solo thing. So I'll give you an example. So, you know, I'm a single father. I have two teenage sons. They're both sick at home from school. Uh, you know, the uh, COVID fascists are no longer insisting that every little snipple is the end of the world and they're going to kill people if they're around them. But they're both at home. And um, today I is the first day after a week-long series of, of events. And uh, normally I don't have my kids with me. The ex takes them, but she's on a business trip to Africa. So I had them, did my event. I normally have a break after my event. I've had no break, just continued moving forward. And I just said, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get into action. There's some people I want to call to potentially do business with them. And there was one fellow I called. We had a call and he was kind of like a no. But the way I was with him, he texts me and he goes, let me ask you something. And I just texted him back with a question. Yes. And five question marks. And he goes, well, I want to be a beast in raising money because he's a developer. Can you help with that? I go, well, I'm an expert in helping people be effective in rollers. So, and I've helped developers raise money before. So yeah. And I said, do you want to talk? I'm free until three Eastern. So he calls me at, at two 52. We talk for three minutes and a book of discovery call. Yeah. Oh, just like that. And yeah. I I didn't push him for the business. I just had a call with him. But the universe brought him back to me. 
there's some yeah. some great vibe that happened and that's a beautiful thing so when you when you partake in the law of goya god <laughs> himself takes a step along with you absolutely yes being in alignment with the universe is really vital at least in in ongoing I'll call it ongoing attraction of what you're creating in your life, right? Because if you're trying to create something through action that is not in alignment with you and the universe, then it's likely that that result won't occur the way that you want it to occur. Yet if you are in alignment with the universe in your actions and your visions, then the results that occur are probably going to be much greater than you could ever imagine. You know, 10x, 100x. Beautiful. I love it. Absolutely. I'm excited yeah. just to hear you say yeah. stuff like that, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's yeah. the truth. That for me, um, there's a few things that are important. Uh, first and foremost, my health in my fitness. I used to be a top trainer and I was a Greek God the way that I looked. But in the last decade plus, I haven't been a trainer and I haven't had the same eye on it. And I ate a little less cleanly over the years and I got a little bit of a layer on my belly. And I don't want that fucking layer there anymore. Excuse my French, man. I want that son of a bitch yeah. gone. And I've been doing stuff yeah. and it hasn't, you know, got the result, but I'm going to do it. I'm willing to be a beginner all over again. How to lose uh, the belly at 55 versus 35. It's very different at 35. It was pretty easy <laughs> for me, but it, it'll happen now. And the other thing is that um, I've, I've had a wonderful business for a long time and I've helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And um, I want to hit a certain result myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've come close yeah. to it, but I've never quite hit it. And this year, it's like, I'm willing to be bad before I'm good, whatever it takes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's make it happen. Well, you, you, you know, we have a mutual friend that we did, talked about briefly before, uh, James Arthur, Arthur Ray. And, Love James. you know, he got, yeah, he, he's done a lot of uh, studying of mythology. And, you know, there's the story of Aladdin and Aladdin's lamp and you rub the lamp and the genie comes out and he gives you three wishes. Well, one of the things that James talks about, he says, that's a bunch of hooey. He says, you don't get three wishes. You get as many wishes as you want. Right. You're not limited. Three wishes is a limitation. So like you wanting to, you know, get rid of a little bit more belly at 55 than 35. Sure. Why not? You want to manifest something bigger in your business this year. Why not? Or anybody for that matter, you know, in, in, you know, in looking at what you do in your podcast, you have all these incredible nuggets that you have in there, you know, interspersed between, your guests, you have these nuggets that you've come up with. Amazing, you know, and providing value to the listeners. You know, I want to go back and listen to them all. 
because you know like the one there's one about the pitch fest we have we've been there i've been to these pitch fests and it's just like you know how about the value fest you know let, let's create a value fest where we're, we're we're just giving so much value that the participants and any listeners there you know are sitting really on their edge of their seat wanting more and if we're giving value and we're serving in in that way then we don't have to pitch anything it just unfolds it happens naturally it's like the law of nature the law of success yeah 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 pitch fests are i don't have a problem with uh an event at which there is an upsell i mean events right. have upsells yeah. but if yeah. that's all the event is that's a little much you know what i mean yeah. that's a little much yeah. um and i i i think that you got to add a, a ton of value at your events you got to add a ton of uh of actionable things that people can do to move their life forward and if you do that, then you want to give people an opportunity to continue to work with you and learn from you. You're doing them a favor from my point of view. That is a value fest versus a pitch fest. Michael, yoga. Mm. Talk to me. Okay. One of the things that helped me a lot recover my health was yoga. When, when, I was, when I was at the Rehabilitation Center, the Pritikin Longevity Center in 1987, they had a yoga class there. It was more like a, general, a gentle stretching class for people that couldn't stretch or move their bodies. I mean, it was really, really gentle, but I liked it. And when I left that center and went back to Portland, I started doing yoga. I would go to the gym. I'd walk on the treadmill and they had a yoga class and I started doing yoga at the gym. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. I kind of like this. And then I ventured outside of the gym and started doing some other classes outside of the gym and started doing what's called Ashtanga yoga and got really um, involved with that and, and did some trainings and did some workshops with people to really dive in. And then in 1993, I did my first hot yoga class. I thought it was hot, sweaty, and stupid, and I couldn't believe anybody would do it. But what happened? I went back <laughs> the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And I was doing some, you know, various different types of yoga. And by the mid-90s, I was doing some option trading. I'd made quite a bit of money in, in the option market. And I decided I was going to take a couple of years off and just take care of myself, just kind of do whatever I want, you know, plant my ass on a beach in Hawaii or whatever it was I wanted to do. But I also wanted to dive a little bit more into yoga. So in 98, I ended up at the Bikram Yoga Teacher Training, not with the idea of becoming a teacher, but with the idea of simply feeling better in my body, simply releasing this pain in my body that I've been coping with still for years. I no longer wanted to manage it. I wanted to get rid of it. A couple of weeks into it, I got in an argument with this guy named Bikram. And I said, how do I modify? And he said, no modification, Michael. He says, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. 
Nikki, that, those three lines, don't worry about it, forget about it, just do the yoga, is the single biggest lesson I've ever had in yoga. It wasn't how to do triangle. It wasn't how to do bow pose. It was the mindset. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. We can apply that mindset to anything. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just go buy a car. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just put your lead magnet out. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just ask her out for a date, whatever it is. Within a couple of weeks, all the pain in my body was gone. Any remaining pain, my body was gone. I was the speaker at, at our graduation. It was an 11-week, very intensive, six-day-a-week, 14-hour-a-day training. It was intense. Bikram doesn't hold back. You know, he, like, pushes you to the limit. And a week after the training, I ended up teaching my first class. A year after that, I opened up my first studio. And I started getting pretty active out there. We started opening a studio every three days within our international community. And because of some of my business experience prior to that, I was helping a lot of the new studios open, helping them with their business plans, with their marketing, how to attract and um, convert and retain their students. And I did it really based on yoga principles. You know, I was in my first studio, I had been looking at my business because it kind of was limping along about the first year. And I thought, well, what can I do? And I thought, well, yoga is based on nature and nature gives us everything that we really need to learn when we study it. So I took this system this yoga system and looked at the system and I looked at the subsystems and the subsystems to the subsystems and went, wow, that's a perfect example of how to run a business. I looked at the breathing. Inhale was a revenue coming in. Exhale was the revenue going out, right? So you started creating this flow. Literally within a month, my business went up 20% just by doing that. And then it doubled. And I went, wow, this stuff works. And everybody wanted to know what I was doing. And then that that's where I started what I called Yoga Business Expert, where I worked with studios all over the world, my business, to help them build their studios, to build their business, whether it was a brand new studio that was opening or whether it was a studio that was already in business, helping them take that next step. And, you know, I would have people say, thank you for giving me permission to actually charge money because I thought I should give yoga away. I thought I should do it for anybody. Well, yeah, that's nice, but the way to give it away is to actually charge for it too. There has to be an exchange of karma. Somebody doesn't appreciate something normally unless they give you money for it, right? We all know that. There has to be some type of exchange. So, you know, I started seeing these studios starting to evolve and grow. At one point, another brother of mine, David, which was heavily involved in franchises, and he took our family business from 100 locations to about 4,000 locations. Whoa. We, we, yeah, we went to uh, Bikram and said, why don't we take over the U.S. studio? So we negotiated an agreement to take over 300 studios in the United States, had the franchise agreements and the master agreements 
all written up. And when it came down to ink it, it didn't happen. So we, we didn't take it over. Now I had told my brother, I said, look, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to coach studios. I'm going to write books and I'm going to hike in the mountains. So what did I do? <laughs> I wrote my book. I hiked in the mountains and I coached studios. When I say coaching on the business side, although I had been actively involved and ran a number of the teacher trainings, I probably helped train six or 7,000 teachers, something like that within the Bikram world. Um, on the business side, I never put all the financials together, but on the very, the minimal side generated 40 million plus and a 25 to 35% net. So we did fairly well. We did pretty good. It's um, excellent, man. I, yeah, yeah. I stopped coaching and I, I don't want to get into the politics of COVID, but COVID kind of killed everything. All my revenue from the studios evaporated overnight because they had to shut down. You know, it's like Gold's and 24-Hour Fitness and a lot of the big chains uh, filed bankruptcy. Um, some of the yoga chains did too, some some of the bigger chains, um, just because they couldn't sustain. It's turning around now, which is good. Um, the fitness business too, you know, there's a lot of local gyms that shut, shut down and there's a lot of empty space out there, built out space whether it's an athletic club or a yoga studio that's sitting there, that landlords trying to lease. So there's opportunities out there for somebody that if they want to be in that business, this is a great time to hop in because the TIs, the build outs always already there. You just kind of need to go in and paint it and put your sign on it and you're ready to go. Yeah. Now yoga, I don't own a studio today. I've sold my studios, but, I teach six to 10 classes a month about, about two a week, one or two a week. And it's at a studio that I had sold to one of my teachers that sold to somebody else actually when it was shut down during COVID and they've revitalized it. And they've done a great job of doing that. Too bad you weren't in a red state, brother. You wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ontario yeah. was the same. We got shut down. All the, all the gyms were shut down. Um, yeah, you know, then they wouldn't let you in if you weren't jabbed, and it was right. just crazy. And then finally, they let it go. The premier of Alberta, which is like a governor of one of your states, apologized right. to the unvaccinated for the political decision to throw out the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada and take their rights away. So yeah. that was pretty cool to see the first yeah. world leader apologize for this appalling thing they did to us. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's um, that's wild. So you're teaching yeah. classes, but you, you're not owning a studio. Are you still consulting with yoga studio owners? Nope. So that's nope. done. So what are you doing these days? My main focus today is really with podcasting and speaking. We have a close relationship with Alex over at Podmatch. And as I mentioned to you before the show, 
Um, I'm part of this other book, this Podmatch Guest Mastery book, and there's a Host Mastery book too. And it just went to number one best release on Amazon. It was just released recently. So one of the things that I have found over the years, we didn't talk about everything that I did, but my last real job was a company that we built training programs in in the early 90s, um, basically HR type programs. So I learned really well how to build um, training and modules and all those programs. And we sold primarily to government and larger corporations. So I'm taking much of that experience and much of the experience that I've had over the years and helping people just take that action and get up and speak. This is another thing, Nikki, that we already know how to do. And we learned how to do it back in grade school, early grade school. It was something called show and tell. The teacher would say, Nikki or Michael or Sally, come up to the front of the room and tell us a story about what you did this weekend. So we were doing, you know, speaker training as little kids, even though the teacher wasn't describing it as that. So I help people take those skills that they already have and take a quantum leap in their business by getting out and speaking by using various principles from the entertainment industry on creating stories, because the creation of stories is really important, where to interject it, how to say it, how to structure it, how to create profiles, like say on Podmatch, what's a magnetic profile that's gonna attract the, the fish that you want, the host that you want, so to speak, et cetera, how to reach out, so we're, we're doing a lot of work around that, my partner and I, in a company called Endless Stages. And it's really been great. We work with authors. We I have a client. She has 26 number one best-selling books right now, yet she doesn't feel like she can get her story out in the way that she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we're, we're helping. So we, we work with, you know, various individuals, mostly individuals right now, a little bit more higher end rather than the group type scenario. Um, we are going to start doing some more groups, but my, my partner is a lifelong actor and grew up in, in that industry as a, as a kid and was in uh, shows like Freddy versus Jason and, you know, really had a tough audience there with Freddy and Jason, you know, how do you talk to them, you know, without them killing you, you know? <laughs> So my main focus is is more that right now. Um, and it's just, it's, I'm loving it. You know, I've got another couple of books coming out next year that I'm not going to dive into too much right now, but a couple of more books. Uh, I've, I've worked closely. I've, I, I don't know if you know David Hancock over at Morgan James, but David is a remarkable man and he has, published virtually everybody at one point or the other, whether it's Brendan or Les Brown or Jay Carmen Levinson. He was, uh, um, I was blessed to know Jay and going through Jay's Guerrilla Marketing University as well. And he forwarded my falling down book because one of the things that Jay said, he says, the way that Michael overcame his health issues is the way that a guerrilla marketer does their marketing in different and unusual ways that cost little or no money, right? There you go. So, so 
Yeah. So while Jay was alive, we became really good friends before he passed away. And, um, you know, just like all of these little things that came, came together helped me today to be able to help more people get their voice out to the world. What you've done is what we call building a thought leader brand, right? You, you created for yourself a, a brand inside the yoga space and you really um, became known for it. We say an expert, someone who knows something, a thought leader, someone who's known for knowing something. You were known in that space. People sought you out. And, um, and it looks like this is what you're doing in the world of podcasting and, and stages. I mean, um, I've had some great success in the world of being a podcast guest. In five months, I generated over $200,000 in sales from being a guest on other people's podcasts. Yeah. And uh, it's a very powerful thing. I'm a big believer in that. And I really love teaching others how you don't just have to be a guest on a show. You can actually make money from being a guest on being on a show because the vast majority of guests don't make any money from being on shows. The vast majority of hosts don't make any money from having a show. So now it's time to really show folks how they can take this to the next level and, uh, you know, do all of that good stuff. And it looks like you've created a wonderful thought leader brand for yourself. So if someone wants to get a hold of you or find out about your work, what's the best place for them to go? MichaelBHarris.com. That's simple. B we'll make sure. He is in book. I love it. MichaelBHarris.com. MichaelBHarris.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. So, Michael, we end off each and every single episode by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps, like bullet point style? What are your three best pieces of advice to help our listener take their business or their life to the next level? So what say you? Don't worry about it. Number one, and it's really interesting. I've been reading some more material from Paramahansa Yogananda for those that know him. And he's got a little book called The Law of Success. And he says something similar to that in a slightly different way, but he says, if you focus on your mind on what doesn't work, that's what you will get. So you need to stop worrying about it. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just forget about it. You know, focus in this other area of what you are creating, of what you want to attract in your life. And I want to create a very short story here. Those that know Steve Jobs, he started this little company called Apple and he created the iPhone. Well, you can directly really give credit to Paramahansa Yogananda and Kriya Yoga for doing that because Steve got in alignment with the universe and created the iPhone. And he says that. And at his service, he gave away Autobiography of Yogi, the book to everybody that was at his service. So again, I won't get into the longer version of the story, maybe another show. Um, So don't worry about it. The third one, again, I learned it as just, you know, just do your yoga. Just do your life. Just take action. Just do something, you know. So don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just take action. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just take action. I love it. That that that's um, very similar to what that Bikram teacher told you, right? Yeah, Don't worry about it, forget about it, just do yoga. <laughs> but it's the same thing the doctor at the Pritikin Center told me. 
don't worry about it. Just get up and walk up and down the beach. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. same thing Dr. It. John Sarno says to, to people with pain. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just the, live your the life. Late Dr. John Sarno. He passed away, unfortunately, just recently. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's great. Love his books. Yep. Um, his entire book is on YouTube right now. You could listen yeah. to it for free. It's great. I, I actually helped promote the movie All the Rage with Michael Galinsky when he wrote it. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Listener, Michael B. Harris, B is in book, is the real deal. To find out more about what he does, go to his website, michaelbharris.com. That will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone that you know would like to hear it. Just do it. And Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Nikki. It's been great to be here. My pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's guest, the one and only Michael B. Harris, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Audible. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.